Jesus is my homeboy. The man upstairs. I swear to God. All of these are phrases we've probably all heard before. Perhaps we've said some of them as well. Each of these are connected to the third of the Ten Commandments. If you're new to us, we're starting a series, or recently started a series on the Ten Commandments. And really looking at this idea of a life well lived, that these commandments were not given to us to restrict our lives or to give us rules that are hard to follow, to be burdensome in our life, but we were given the Ten Commandments so that we may learn how to live life well. To be able to love God and others more effectively. And, and what we do with these Ten Commandments will determine how holy and healthy our lives and relationships will be. And today we look at the third of the Ten Commandments. For, for many people, when they think of the third commandment, they, they think that it's primarily talking about using God's name as a swear word or in a flippant way. And, and really, there is so much more to this commandment than just that. Maybe an illustration will help. Let's say that you go through a McDonald's drive-in and you order a Big Mac, a large fry, a cherry pie... And then, and, then the, and then the person says, the worker said, what would you like to drink? A, a Diet Coke. <laughs> Confession's good for the soul. I've done it. <laughs> right? Makes you feel a little less guilty. Right? You're like, well, I ordered a Diet Coke. I mean, come on, it balances out, doesn't it? No. My gut is proof. It doesn't. <laughs> Sometimes I think that's how we handle the third commandment. We, we think, you know, I'm good on this one. I, you know, I don't use God's name as a cuss word. I would never do anything like that. And yet, we may be violating it in other ways and not even realize it. You see, we need to understand this morning that the third commandment is ultimately about showing honor to the name of God. That's at the heart of this. Showing honor to the name of God. Here's the third commandment as God gave it to Moses in verse 7 of Exodus 20. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You'll notice take in vain are... Words used twice, and we're going to kind of look at those. The, the, the idea of take, what, what is the Hebrew word there for take, right? Take the Lord's name in vain. He, he's referring to how we speak his name, but it's also how we bear his name. The idea of that Hebrew word to take isn't just about our speech. It, it's just the idea to take his name is to bear his name. Would you say that with me? To take his name is to bear his name. So this broadens it beyond just, you know, not using God as a swear word. It goes beyond that. What we say about God goes beyond just our words. What we say about God goes beyond just our words. Uh, John Maxwell put it this way. Your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. 
You catch that? (laughs) Our walk talks, and it talks loudly. How we speak about God and how we live or don't live up to his name determines whether or not we are bringing honor to God. Notice the word vain also used twice. The, the, the word to understand what that means to take his name in vain is really at the heart of this commandment. We are not to take God's name in vain. The Hebrew word for vain is the word shav, shav, which means empty or worthless. So to take a name in vain is to, is to mean that it's, it's empty, it's, it's, it's worthless, there's no, it's light, there's no weight to it. Essentially, this is God's commandment to his people. Do not use God's name or represent his name in a worthless way. Now, do you see how that goes beyond just not saying, oh my God? No, when I'm using that, I'm using that as an illustration. Okay, I'm not really doing that. As followers of Jesus, we are called Christians. Right? I, I won't ask for a show of hands because there might be some here, of course, that aren't. But, but if I were to say how many of here would identify as a Christian, my guess is most of the hands would go up. All right? What does that mean? It literally means Christ one. So if I were to say, are you a Christian? And you raise your hand and you say, I'm a Christian. You say, I'm a Christ one. Right? I'm one of them. I'm one of Christ's. To take his name is to bear his name. If my life and my speech does not reflect what God's name represents, then I'm using his name in vain. It's not just about our words. It's it's about do we bear his name in our lives, in relationships, at home, at work, wherever we may be. Uh, We have six kids and added a few in-laws along the way too. So really uh, eight, uh, eight, I know the Bible, I don't know math, okay? Yeah, I know it was a simple one, but still. <laughs> but when they were younger, we had six kids, and when they were younger, before we get out of the car, my wife would always give these inspiring words to us before we got out of the car, like at a restaurant or wherever. She would say the following, our kids are nodding, they know what I'm talking about. Keep your crazy in the car. You represent Jesus and you represent the Tice name, so keep your crazy in the car. And let's be honest, she was also speaking to me as well. Okay, let's, we, as if you didn't know that. The point is, we should always represent, or always remember, excuse me, who we represent. Well, when we're at home, at work, eating at the restaurant, at your kid's ball game, Ooh, ouch. <laughs> now, I don't know how, how high the bar the Tice name is, but God's name is high and glorious. And that's why this commandment is so important to understand. The very reason for our existence, the very reason you and I have breath, like we don't have to go around asking what's the purpose of life. I'm going to give it to you. If you're like 45 and you've whole life been searching for the meaning of life, I'm going to give it to you in one simple sentence. We exist 
to bring glory to God. That's not, I don't care what the world says. You are not here to find your own personal fulfillment and happiness. You're here to bring glory to God. And when you get on board of that, you're gonna have abundant joy. But the reason we exist is the glory of God. That's why we have breath. What's interesting is the word for glory. The word for glory literally means the opposite of the word for vain. So if vain means worthless or empty or, or light, glory is the opposite of that. The biblical word for glory means weight or heaviness. It means to give importance to something or someone. To, to give glory to God is to lift up and honor him above all else. He is to carry, catch this, he is to carry greater weight than anything else in our lives. Do our words and way of life bring glory to God? It's why we have breath. It's, 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 it's every, I mean, every human being was wired to worship. I would argue with you that every single human being worships a God. It's just a matter of which one. When we were created in the image of God, we were created to worship. That's why some people, there's no amount of money they wouldn't spend on, on, a, on a hobby that they love. It's why certain people are devastated and their lives destroyed because some God that they thought would give their life meaning and purpose, it didn't work out and it didn't. And so their life is destroyed. Why? Because it's their God. Every one of us are wired to worship. Every human heart worships a God. It's just a matter which one you choose to worship. We are wired to worship. We all worship stuff. In fact, let me take it a step further. I would suggest when you look at the Ten Commandments, I would suggest that the first four commandments are ultimately about worship. The first two deal with idolatry and addresses who we're going to worship. This third one addresses how we're going to worship. Is it going to be weighty or light? And then next week, we'll look at the fourth one, focusing on the Sabbath, is when we worship. Those, those rhythms of rest and worship that God has called us to. See, you understand it in its context, then you understand that using the Lord's name in vain is so much broader than what we've made it. And that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. That should challenge us today. To bear, to take the name is to bear the name. And that at the end of the day is the question, how are we representing, how are we bearing his name? Anyone that comes in contact with us, including the person who cuts us off in traffic. <laughs> oh, now I really hit a nerve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> even then, friends, even then we bear his name. And we do so in vain or we do so with great weight with great glory. That's the heart of this commandment. 
Notice what he says, God says at the end of verse seven, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is a serious matter to God. God's name matters and it matters to God how his name is used. He will hold the guilty accountable. This is the question each and every one of us must answer today. Do I bring glory or guilt to God's name? Do I bring glory? My life, my words, my relationships, glory or guilt to God's name? I believe that there are three primary ways. Not the only ways, but the three primary ways that we sometimes violate the third commandment. These three words represent how we may use his name in vain. Misuse, abuse, refuse. I want you to remember those three. Will you say them with me? Misuse, abuse, refuse. One more time. Misuse, abuse, refuse. Sometimes we misuse God's name. This is the one most people typically think of when they think about the third commandment. Number one, we misuse God's name when we use it in a profane or blasphemous way. That's why I wanted to make it very clear that when I opened up the way that I did, I was not using it simply as an illustration, all right? We have to be very careful. I've heard Christians all the time say, oh my God in front of me and not even realize that's a big deal because it's used flippantly. And then, oh, I'm not using it as a cuss word. What are you using it as though? Right? So, so this one is important. This, this does have to do with what we, we say. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And in verse nine, he says, you pray like this. Our father in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed isn't a word we use much anymore. I'm guessing you haven't used it this week. I'm sure no one's used it with you, all right? Hallowed. But it's a very important uh, Greek New Testament word. It's it's hagiazo. It means holy or or sanctified. It has this idea of something so so pure and holy. it, It is set apart. It's hallowed. It's not to be used flippantly. It's so hallowed. In other words, Jesus is saying that God's name must always be used with reverence and honor. It's a name set apart. It's above and beyond any other name. Be careful when you use it. The Jewish people have traditionally not said God's name Yahweh out loud. Many do today, but still even to this day, some don't. Well, God never commanded it. They were so concerned with misusing his name, they didn't even want to risk it. I'm not suggesting that we not speak the name of God. We, we did that during our worship, and it's, it can be very powerful to speak the names of God. So yes, very much, speak the name of God. That's not my point. But my point is there is something that we could learn from the Jewish people Right In the biblical times, that, that they were so concerned, they, they were so committed to not misusing his name that they took the most sacred word for God among the Jewish people, Yahweh, or translated Jehovah, and they chose not even to speak it out loud. Just, just in case. 
It wasn't hallowed when they said it. I'm not trying to scare us from addressing God. Please, don't hear that. But I am saying maybe, now I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians in America today that maybe we need to get on board again with this commandment and that it is still very important for our lives today. That's not just for the Jewish people, it's for us who know Christ, they're Gentiles, who've been grafted in as the people of God, that we hallowed, that we hallow his name. We treat it as holy. So in anger to say, oh God, or Jesus Christ, or I would, I would even say, should we even say gosh and geez? I'm not trying to be legalistic, please. But, but why do we always get as close to the line Instead of saying, oh, he's so holy. I'm going to get as far back from the line as I can so that I bring reverence and holiness to his name. If I ever blurted out the F word, I'm guessing that would be a huge deal for Christians who knew I was a pastor. I'm guessing if I let one fly during my sermon. Good chance I wouldn't be here next week. I don't know. <laughs> Tony's on a long vacation. When he's going to be back? Never. It's really long vacation. <laughs> but I really believe this. I think even among Christians, I think people would be more offended if I said the F word than if I said among some people, oh, God. I mean, and they knew it wasn't a prayer. You know. <laughs> I really do. Why is that? What is that a reflection of? Because I believe we haven't taken this commandment seriously. The name of God. And and by the way, even when we go into prayer, don't be flippant with that. Remind yourself, stop and pause before you pray. I'm going into the presence of a holy God. Are we misusing God's name in some way? Are there times where we're flippant when we're speaking his name? Or do we only use his name with reverence? We must not misuse the name, but we also must not abuse God's name. What do I mean by that? We abuse God's name when we use it in a way that is actually intended for our own personal gain. So we pull out the God card, in other words, to elevate self, not the Savior, to reap some benefit ourselves, and that's the actual reason we're using the name. That is to abuse the name. For instance, a politician who evokes the name of God to garner the religious vote. Come on. Both sides, by the way, in case you're wondering. Or a Christian quote-unquote, Christian television personality who teaches about God but is actually fueled by greed and financial gain and personal glory. I don't think there's anything wrong with making a living if God has called you to ministry. So I I do that. (laughs) All right, there is biblical support for that. It's about motives. It's about the the passion of your heart. It's by why are you doing what you're doing in the name of God? What fuels that? What's behind that? It's one of the reasons why I I feared writing books 
that I've started to do because I don't want people to think I'm trying to get rich or make a name for myself. And that's why we've mentioned a couple times, in fact, the elders say, you don't need to talk about it anymore. Like, I think people understand. I'm like, no, but I'm, I just, I want to make sure people, I'm not trying to, to you know, get rich, okay? <laughs> I'm not, trust me, I'm not <laughs> getting rich. <laughs> I want people to fall in love with the God of the word so they fall in love with the, I want them to fall in love with the word of God so they fall in love with the God of the word. Like I have, it's captivated me to my dying breath through preaching, teaching, writing, whatever it takes until I'm dead. <laughs> People will know and love God's word. That's why I don't write, you know, Christian romance novels. No offense to those. I don't write mystery novels. I don't, I mean, I'm not a writer. I'm really not a writer. I love God's word. I'm basically teaching with a pen. <laughs> That's why. We can't use God's name. We can't do things in the name of God. For any other motive, this is my point, for any other motive than the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom. That's it. Religious leaders of Jesus' day were guilty of abusing God's name. They supposedly the Pharisees of the day. They supposedly were, were doing everything in the name of God, but Jesus called them out for being posers. The Apostle Paul as well, in Romans chapter 2, verse 23 through 24, he said, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. In other words, you, 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 you say, oh, we're teachers of the law. We're experts of the law, right? He said, no, you're breakers of the law. He knows your heart. He knows, he knows their hearts. And for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. These religious leaders spoke often about God, but their actions and motives revealed vanity, emptiness in their words. They abused his name and did more harm than good. Using God's name in vain, not only about the things we say and do, it's not only about the things we say and do, it's also about the motives of the heart. We use his name in vain in a vain way, when we say the right things with the wrong motives. It's not even just saying the right things. It's not even about coming across in a respectful manner. It's ultimately about the motives of the heart. Because if you were to be transported back in Jesus' day and you spent time with the religious leaders, you would think, wow, they show reverence. But what did Jesus know? He knew their hearts because he was God. So it's more than just even what we say or even what we do. It's why we say what we say and do what we do. Leviticus 19.12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord, I am the Lord. This is a commandment that goes along with the third commandment that was given to um, the, the Jewish people in the law of Moses. And this was where they would, swear, I swear an oath by the name of God. Uh, Jesus addressed this in the Sermon on the Mount as well. He said, you shouldn't have to swear it by God. Your word should be your word. Your character should be so strong. Your, your godliness so strong. You don't have to make an oath at all, Jesus said. But they would swear an oath and they would use God's name, even though they had false motives, impure motives. But they thought if they swore in the name of God, 
I'm going to tell you, go back to politicians on both sides. <clears throat> I've seen, you've seen that. You evoke his name and say all the right things, and then you find out their life and even a lot of time their policies are not at all what they profess, but they said what needed to be said to get the vote. And I want to tell you, we may, you may not be a politician here, but I'm going to tell you, if you're serving if you're saying things about God in certain ways because you're trying to get something out of it, you're trying to impress someone else, then that is using God's name in vain. It's not just what we say and do, it's why we say. It's why we do what we do. When God's name comes out of our mouths or our motives pure, when we sing, when we sing Sunday morning and gather together, are we singing to only exalt God? When we give, are we only giving to exalt God and advance the kingdom? The third commandment prohibits us from misusing and abusing the name of God. There's one more. We must also not refuse God's name. Everything we do should bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, right? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Work for the glory of God. Drive for the glory of God. Parent for the glory of God. Everything. We must not refuse God's name. This is my third and last point. We refuse to honor God's name when we're not bringing glory with our lives. We're refusing to do what we're called to do. Most of us have some type of apparel that has a logo on it. There's a really ugly one today. Someone did not bear the Lord's name as they should. I must call them out publicly. Maybe with an old, maybe with an old Testament stoning. If everyone would just look at the back of the room waving, so proud of his dishonor. Um, he is, thank you, he is wearing San Francisco 49ers jersey. The 49ers, by the way, can be traced back to the gold rush. Gold is money, we're not to love money. I'm just saying, pastors can twist things with the best of them. <laughs> However, and I am saddened to see that no one is wearing Honolulu blue today. I would have, but my wife said I couldn't. <clears throat> but just so you know, if the Detroit Lions make it to the Super Bowl, my wife has allowed me, since she is my fashion coordinator, <laughs> and has allowed me to wear a lion sweatshirt when I preach next Sunday. So, please still come out for God's word, even if you hate the lions. But if they make it to a Super Bowl, which is, by the way, proof that miracles still exist, you have the parting of the Red Sea and you have the Lions, all right, in the NFC Championship game. So, yes, praise God for miracles. <laughs> but 
But anyway, so I have in my possession logos that have that are in Honolulu blue that have the logo. Why? Because that's my football team, all right? Finally, after years of misery, right? I can wear that proudly. I represent a fan for all of these years. Now, perhaps you don't have a Lions jersey or a hat with a logo on it, but I'm sure everyone in this room probably has some type of company logo on it, whether it's Adidas or Under Armour, Nike, or maybe the company that you work for or whatever the case may be. Uh, I actually have a Church on the Rock polo. I was really excited. We found these really cheap polos, so I, so I bought a couple, and then I gained weight, and it doesn't fit. But <laughs> So I literally have two really cool Church on the Rock polos that I have to lose like 20 pounds to actually wear. But let's just say I lost the pounds. Let's just say I, I, I did wear it. And I want you to just imagine for a second, I, I wore this Church on the Rock polo out to the restaurant and I went out to the restaurant and I was like really rude to the waitress and she brought the wrong thing so I cussed at her and I said get back there get me my stuff you know and I'm making a fuss and a scene and then I get get my food and I get my bill and I said she was so bad I didn't even leave a tip I'm not leaving a tip she didn't deserve no tip and uh, so I don't leave her a tip and then I, I leave and there I am with that big church on the rock logo. A church pastored in a, in a large, you know, good-sized church, so it's not uncommon to be recognized when I go to a restaurant or a place, not certainly not every time, but oftentimes. But imagine that. Imagine that someone there recognized me. What is their impression? Here's my point. What's their impression going to be, first of all, of Church on the Rock? Not very good. You think they're going to be motivated to want to come visit? The pastor's a jerk. What an arrogant jerk. Think they're going to want to come? No. And even more importantly, as someone who knows I'm a pastor or someone who claims to know Christ, what are they, and, and maybe they don't know Christ, but maybe they know me, what are they going to think about my faith? What are they going to think about my God? Do you get what I'm saying? I know I was being silly there, but this is, this is the point I'm trying to make. Every single one of us wear the logo, Christ won. Christian, follower of Jesus, which means that, that what I say, what I do, how I treat people, not, not, not important people, any person, you know, by society standards, you know, but any person, the person I walk by who, who's asking for money, how do I treat that person? Do I love that person? Every single person we come in contact with we bear the name Christ one. And I am convinced of this. And by the way, I'm not pointing a finger at you. Trust me, I have failed at this. I have been rude. I have been selfish. I, I have not been compassionate in moments. I have missed God opportunities because I'm in my own mind, doing my own. Listen, we've all been guilty of this, okay? But I want to tell you, it would really be good for each of us before we leave the house, well, actually, before we even get out of bed because it starts at home, when we start the day, to just stop and say, will I bear his name well today? Because that's what I'm called to. Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ one. And 2 Corinthians says I'm an ambassador of Christ. Which means every single 
person I come in contact with. I represent my homeland. Heaven. The qualities of heaven. And the king of heaven. Come on, church. Amen? Amen. See what I'm saying? To, to take the Lord's name in vain is so much bigger and broader than what we've made it. To take the name is to bear the name. Let me just, on the positive, say this. To not use his name in vain is to represent what his name means by the way we live our lives before him and others. Now, I am convinced of this. I I think that there are sometimes, in some churches, two extremes. I think sometimes there's the preaching where the pastor just beats everyone up every week, right? And everyone leaves, you know, like, I stink, I stink, right? And then I think there's another extreme, right? Well, this extreme, it's the happy, fuzzy, feel good, you know, and everyone leaves, you know, you know, light, light on, on food, <laughs> light diet, but feeling, oh, light and fluffy and happy and warm, fuzzy feelings, okay? Just, like, if you go to church, you know, well, I hope, anyways, my prayer is we're, we're neither, right? I, I think a church needs to offer both. Hear this now. A church needs to offer both exhortation. We need to push people spiritually. We need it. I need it. And we need encouragement, we need both in our lives. We, we need an arm around the shoulders and we need a little kick in the pants sometimes. We need both. And so my prayer and my goal, and I'm sure I don't always achieve it, but my, my goal every week is to offer both. That people will leave here exhorted in their walk with Jesus, but also encouraged because of who they are in Jesus. And so it, it probably has felt quite a bit of the exhortation side today. And I do not apologize for that, okay? But I also want to offer you some encouragement as we wrap it up. I want to mention something. The very first week of the series, we talked about the purpose of the Old Testament law. One of the main points I made was this. The law leads us to Jesus. You disconnect Jesus from the law, including the Ten Commandments, then you are going to leave saying, I stink, there's no hope, I'm in big trouble. But you keep Jesus front and center of all of the commandments, including this one today, then that is a source of encouragement and hope. You see, when we fall short of God's holy standards, it's Jesus' death for our sins that allows us to still be forgiven time and time again. Amen? And so we don't have to live in our guilt. Confess our sins. The cross of Jesus has not just covered, covered our past sins. He covers our present sins and our future sins. It is covered in the blood of Christ. And therefore, we don't have to live in guilt and shame. Is there a godly sorrow that leads to repentance? You bet. You should be sorrow. There should be sorrow in your life. If you're living in unconfessed sin, of course. But that sorrow leads us to the Father in forgiveness. And because of the finished work of Christ, he doesn't say, well, do you mean it like a lot? 
I loved my dad, but, but one thing always irritated me, and I did something wrong, and I tell him I'm sorry, he would say, well, if you're, you don't be, I don't know how to say, he said, don't be sorry, just don't do it again. Okay. <laughs> Try not to, you know. That's not God, though. God, you know, remember Peter? Well, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times seven. That was 490 times? No, it was the saying. Always willing when they have a true repentant heart to forgive. So I just want to say, if you're here and you feel a little beat up today, and you feel like, man, wow, I got some repenting to do. Wow, there's some areas that fall short. The goal is, the take home is not to leave feeling miserable. The take home is spend some time with the Abba Father. Reminded that Jesus is interceding on your behalf, the same Jesus who paid for every sin on that cross so you wouldn't have to. And spend some time with the Father. That's the take home. Lord, forgive me in the ways I did not bear your name well. And experience the joy of your repentance and mine. And because of his resurrection, we have the power to find victory in the areas where we didn't have victory. Amen? That's the gospel right there. Amen? Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to it and is what? Safe. Friends, there is safety and security in God. And when we run to the strong tower, you know what we discover? A banner. <laughs> we run to it and we, we discover at that strong tower is a banner from Song of Solomon 2.4 which says, his banner over me is love. So when you come to him, say, Lord, I've not bared your name well. I come to you. There is safety and protection. If you're in Christ, there is safety and protection and his banner over you is love. Come on, church. Even in our worst moments, he's our strong tower. His banner over us will always be love. When we fail to live up to his name, when we use his name in vain, we need to come in humble confession, but his banner over us will always be love. Remember that. And may that actually be motivation for us to want to bear his name well this week. Remember this as I close. God always lives up to his name even when we don't. And his banner over me, his banner over you is love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your precious and holy word. Lord, I know that I have fallen short time and time again in not honoring your name. I have been impatient with my kids. I have been maybe not rude, but 
self-absorbed that I miss opportunities when at a store or out in public where maybe there was a God moment there for me to represent your name well to somebody, to hear your name spoken over them. And I haven't taken it. So, Father, I, I know that I fall short, but I also know what your name is. And I know that you have always been consistent with your name. And, Father, I just thank you that reminder just this week that your banner over me will always be love. Even in my worst moments, you're holy, you're just, you will correct. But your banner over us is love. So may we honor you this week in light of that. May we make much of you. May we shine brightly for you. May we bear the name in a way that brings you great glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.